Hi everybody, welcome to the Better Presentations, More Sales podcast. This is Trevor Lee and this is episode number 218. And on today's episode, I'm going to talk and share with you some thoughts and ideas around how to deliver a great demo. You can use the same guidelines for presentations and sales pitches, but I've been working with a couple of clients recently and helping them really transform the way they do demos, particularly online demos. So I thought, well, why not share it with my podcast audience? So that's what we're going to do on today's show. So hey, everybody, before we get into the show this week, I just got a couple of shout outs to do. So first of all, to my daughter, Beth, because today, when this goes live, Monday, May the 30th, 2022, I will be at her graduation in Cardiff. Uh, she graduated with a first class honours music degree, which is fantastic. But it's two years since she did that. And because of COVID, the graduation ceremonies have been delayed. So a big shout out to Beth, particularly because when I first started this podcast, way back in the beginning of 2018, she was my editor. And we were using Audacity at the time. We've, we've since moved on and I now have to do the editing and I use Hindenburg, which I find really much more easier to use. But she was using Audacity and she used to say, oh, Dad, you've got to take out these bits here and put these bits in here and all that. So uh, a shout out to Beth, because without her, I probably wouldn't have got this podcast going. So here we go. And also another shout out to you, the listeners, because... Okay, we're going to benefit from having five episodes in May. But nevertheless, even before this episode goes out, the May downloads are a record month. So a big thank you to you, the listeners. Uh, The podcast gurus say, don't get obsessed by the numbers, you know, but you can't help having a look, can you? So... (laughs) (laughs) So it was great. So January was a great month. March was a great month. April, it was Easter. So naturally, there was a bit of a lull in listening. But it's bounced back in May. And with this episode going out at the beginning of May, the May figures are going to be fantastic. So thank you very much for that. I mean, I'm not I don't carry advertising on the site. So the numbers really don't make any difference to me, except that from a motivational point of view and a reason to keep doing this podcast, it does help to see those numbers growing all the time. So a thank you to you because, you know, one of the reasons numbers grow is that people like yourselves share the podcast, you comment on it on LinkedIn and things like that. So please do that. Tag me in. If you like the podcast, leave a review as well, because that all helps with uh, gaining the audience and growing the audience and making it Uh, more interesting every time. So there we go. So thanks very much for that. So let me talk about, let me share those ideas with you today about that demo. So no guest today. Um, Having a little, having a break from guests today, I've got a lot more guests lined up for you. In fact, I've got more guests coming out my ears. I don't know why that is, but I seem to have a lot of people who are keen to come on this podcast. But as I think I've mentioned before, I'm only really interested in using this podcast as a way to help you, you know, get better at sales, get better at presentations, and ideally the two together. So if you can deliver more confident presentations, pitches, demos, that sort of thing. What I'm not really interested in is having people on the show who want to tell me their life story and, you know, how they, you know, what the fantastic things they've done. I'm not really interested in those people. There's tons of podcasts out there. You can listen to people's life stories. So for me, it's all about giving you practical tips and ideas that you can put into action straight away. You can share with your colleagues and it will make you better at the way you do presentations and make you better, ultimately, the sales you achieve. Right, that's the plan. So, 
we'll have a guest back soon. But nevertheless, so today, let's talk about those demos. So let, let me just tell you why I thought this would be a good idea today. So I've been working with a couple of organizations. Uh, one is a software company, and they do quite a lot of demos, as you can imagine. And some Quite a lot of those demos are online. They have a great product. Um, and one of the challenges they have is how to deliver that great demo. So we've, we've kind of analyzed how they were doing it, and we've, we've thought of a few ways of maybe changing it up to make it more interesting and, and hopefully get better results. So I thought I would share some of those tips with you, the audience today. So, so if you're in the demo, if you're doing demos for your product or service, either online or in person, then I think this will be a benefit to you. And you can apply the same sort of thoughts and processes and concepts to presentations and sales pitches generally. So, right, let's run through them. I haven't really numbered them, but uh, I'll try to remember <laughs> the ones that I give you. Right, so first up, you know, you have to be well prepared. So you have to do your research. And there's no excuse now, is there, for, con you know, for certainly if you've got to the stage where someone's agreed to have a demo from you, you need to know more about them than they know about themselves. So, you know, really, really do your research, get it all worked out, know who, and also particularly research the people who are going to be on the demo. So you know all about them, so you know what position they are in the company, because it's not always the decision makers who turn up to these demos. It might be they've sent someone along who will then report back in, and we'll look at that in a second. So, you know, get that, do your research, know who's going to be there, right? Second tip is before you dive into the demo, you know, spend a bit of time at the beginning explaining what's going to happen. And this, you know, is definitely something you should do with presentations and pitches as well. So over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to share with you, and it's a bit like how I explain this podcast. So, you know, I said a few minutes ago, right, I'm going to share with some tips and ideas about demos, and this is what you'll get. And that's what you should do with your demos. So tell people exactly what they're going to expect and tell them what you want them to do as well. So this is how I'm going to involve you because there's nothing worse, is there, than if you're on the receiving end of a demo or a presentation or a sales pitch and you're just thinking, God, how long is this going to last? And, and do I get a chance to ask a question? And uh, what should I do? You know, So make sure you explain fully right at the beginning how the audience is going to be part of this demo, what you want them to do. And make sure you've got things for them to do. All right, because it is dull if you're, especially online, if you just sat there listening to someone drone on for 30 minutes. Okay, so make sure that you do that. And also, just, you know, when you, before you dive in, you know, tell them about, you know, remind them about what they've told you about why they're on the demo in the first place. So get the clarification of that as well. So I would use words like, so just for clarification, before we start the demonstration, can you remind me, please, of what you're hoping that, you know, my product or service will do for your business? So just make sure I've got that right before we go. Because clearly, you know, they're, they're there because they think your product or services has got potential for them. You know, they're not just turning up out the blue because they've got nothing else to do that day. So get the clarification because one of the things in presentations, in pitches, in demos that often goes wrong is that we forget to ask why they want why they're there, what they want. We make assumptions. And assumptions in business often lead to us then sending out the wrong proposal and it goes nowhere and we wonder why. And it's because we didn't clarify precisely what the customer wants or is expecting from us. So get that clarification. It really, really is important. Right. So when you actually start to deliver the demo, number one, you know, big tip here, don't go too quickly. 
All right, because if you start going, hey, look at this, this is great. Wow, well, are we going to do this? You know, they go, whoo, hang on a minute. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lost already. So go quite slowly. And, the, you know, the, again, this applies to presentations and pitches. Go quite slowly and then pick up the pace. All right, because you don't want to go slow, slow, slow all the way through. It'll take forever. But you need to go slowly at the beginning so that your audience can keep up with you because that will make a big, big difference. Okay. Now, as I said, you know, you've got to keep them involved. So don't say things like any questions so far. Because if you say any questions so far, then chances are they'll say no. All right. So you've got to ask open-ended questions. So you could say, so given what I've shown you so far, what are you thinking at the moment? And are you, you know, what do you think will be the benefits from what you've seen so far to your company? Can you envisage your team using this product or services? And what do you think their reaction will be to it? So start to get those open-ended questions. Now, there might be a few things that you, you know, those are open-ended, so you're not going to get yes or no's. But there could be an opportunity, again, as you go through the demo to get your audience involved and gain what are called mini commitments. Now, I think I got mini commitments as a concept from a guy called Brian Burns, who does a podcast in the States. I'm not exactly sure, all right? But I'll give Brian the, I'll give Brian the kudos of, the, of that for it. But a mini commitment is when people say yes. So, you know, you're trying to get a few yeses as you go. So can you envisage your team utilizing this? Can you see the, can you start to visualize what it'd be like for your company to have this software? And if they say yes, then that's a mini commitment because they're already thinking, yes, I'm going to have this in my business. So you need to build up during your demo various mini commitments. And you need to remember them as well because you need to come back to them and refer to them. So, you know, make notes of them. But the more mini commitments you can gather during the demo, the more chances are you're going to get a big yes at the very end. And of course, there will be a few no's as well. Now, the thing about no's is that, A, I hate the word objections. You know, oh, are there going to be any sales objections? Let's do some training on how to overcome sales objections. You know, oh, yeah, come on, we need to move on from that. So I tend to use the word barrier, barriers to buying rather than sales objections. So one of the tricks and skills in any demo or indeed any presentation or pitch is to try and identify when you think you've hit a barrier. And that can be a bit of body language, a bit of tone of voice, anything at all that you can spot, you know, on the person on the other side might throw up a barrier. So you need to address it and you need to then try and, you know, deal with it. So think about, you know, when you get a signal that there's a barrier there, bring it up, bring it up. So... Judging by your reaction to what I just said, I'm thinking that you might be thinking that this might not be right for your organisation. Have I got that wrong or is that correct? And they say, well, actually, Trevor, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, that particular bit isn't for us. And then you can deal with it. And if you're dealing with something like software, you can then say, well, oh, that's great. Well, it's really good to know that at this stage, because what I can say is that we can, of course, adapt that to your particular needs. So all our software is configured to the client. So what I've shown you is a, is a you know is a generic example. So are you thinking how are you thinking that you would really want that bit to work for you? And then they'll tell you. And then you get you turn a barrier into a mini commitment. And again, you've got to be alert to this. And one and therefore, you know, a couple of things that you need to do in any demo or sales pitch in particular is be ready to be flexible. Because if you're rigid in what you're going to do, then you know, it's hard, isn't it? 
So you've got to be flexible. And so many people, when they deliver demos, are very rigid. Right, this is what we're going to do. Bang, right, here it goes. This is our 20 minutes. Right, press go. Okay, and they, they just go whoosh. And they're focused completely on getting to the end. And often that, and then you get to the end, you say, any questions? <laughs> and they say, no. So, all right, okay, well, I'll give you. But so you've got to be flexible and particularly, you know, be able to pivot depending on what your audience reaction is and what, what you draw out from your audience during your demo. That is the key to demo success, presentation success, sales pitch success. It's making the audience feel as though they are setting the pace. They are dictating the way this goes. It's not you. Okay, and always, always, always think audience first, you second. And so many people don't do that. In the same way, you know, you might have planned for your demo to last 30 minutes. 15 minutes in, you might need to conclude it because that's it. You know, it might be that it's simply not going to be right for the customer or they're so excited they want to close the demo off now and move to the next stage. So again, you've got to be flexible. You know, you've got to think about how that works. And in terms of flexibility, also have a plan B around the timing because you know you might have agreed with your customer that you're going to get 45 minutes to do your demo so you've got your demo already and you know it's going to take 45 minutes including you know the interactions and all that sort of stuff maybe or maybe you're just thinking it's 45 minutes of you which hopefully you're not by now but have a plan b because there will be times when suddenly you know you're told right at the last minute i'm really sorry trevor but there's been a bit of a delay so Fred's not going to be here for another few minutes, but um, we're, we're ready. We'll, be, we'll go ahead straight as soon as he gets here. But uh, bear in mind that um, he has to leave, uh, you know, at quarter to 11, as because you said it would take 45 minutes. So suddenly you've no longer got 45 minutes. You've now got best part of 30 minutes. So be ready for that to happen. And don't, you know, if that's a surprise to you, then that's poor preparation. OK, so you've got your 45 minutes. Great. But make sure that you can do this in 30 minutes. And that's why I always say to people when they're planning particularly presentations, you know, whatever time you've been allocated, make sure you can deliver it in 80% of the time because it will get, you will, you know, you will elaborate and all this sort of stuff. Now, you, you know, time management of a demo is really, really important. So if it's going to be 30 minutes instead of 45, then, you know, you might have allocated five minutes or a bit of preamble at the beginning. Well, you might need to cut that down to a minute. And so it goes on. But, you know, so let's remind ourselves, you know, the key point of all this is it is around your customer. And the more flexible you can be in the demo to suit their needs, the more likely they're going to think, yeah, I want to work with this company. Because if you can't be flexible and you come across as very rigid, then what message does that send out to the people who are potentially going to work with you? It's like, he says, well, they, they, they know what they're doing, but they are quite rigid. So if I ask them, say, oh, can we do that differently? They're probably going to say no. Okay, so, you know, don't forget the way you deliver your demo or your presentation or your pitch is set in a perception of you and your organization and what it's going to be like to work with you. So, again, you know, make it make it a bit, make sure it's enjoyable for the client. All right. So if it's too dull and too rigid and too boring, you know, it's not going to get you to them to be rushing to sign up with you, is it? So, you know, you've got to put a bit of personality into it. You've got to make sure that it really sets the tone for the way it's going to be working with you. Right. One of the last couple of things you need to agree is and understand is the buying process. And this is so vital to make, you know, to get in this, you know, get an order place. Because if you finish the demonstration and you don't know what the buying process is at the company's end, then how, you know, that's going to be tricky. 
So the question to ask is, and this is the way to ask this question. So don't say, can you tell me, you know, what the buying process is? Don't ask that question. Instead, ask this question. Say, apart from yourself, and that is a, those are three key words, apart from yourself, who else is involved in the buying process that will ultimately make a decision about whether you go ahead with this or not? Now, the reason you say apart from yourself is to make them think that you think they're involved in the buying process. And chances are they might not be. They might be a junior member of the team who's come along to gather information. But if you give them that status by simply saying apart from yourself, it will make them want to help you get this order over the line. Right? It's a psychological thing and it does work. All right? And they may well say, well, actually, Trevor, it's not me, but it will be my colleagues, you know, X and Y. That's great. Because then the follow-up question is you can say, okay, so what do you think they're going to think of this? And is there anything else I should be saying to you to help you tell the story to them? Because very, you know what it's like when you've got someone on a demo and then they've got to kind of sell the idea on to somebody else. And that's not an easy thing to do. So get them on your side. You want them on your side. You want them to be able to you know, pass on the message, if you like. And then another final crucial thing is to is to make sure you agree precisely what's going to happen next. So don't say, oh, I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you a call next week. I mean, you might well do a written follow-up proposal. But again, if you do that, make sure that it's really nailed on and you're not repeating stuff they already know. So keep that proposal succinct. Focus on them, not you. you know, how many times do we send out proposals? And it's all about us, you know, and, and it's a template thing, you know. And God, that's dull, isn't it? You know, that's not very interesting to look at and it can be quite you know quite poor from the customer's point of view as well so make sure and if you are going to follow up on a call book it in don't say i'll give you a call next week because remember as soon as you, you know any momentum you thought you've created during that demonstration will start to stop as soon as the demo's over so you've got to keep making that momentum work you've got to keep that going keep that really going and of course you know it's really good for clarification at the end. You know, one of the techniques that I've used for many years myself, and it really does work, is that when you get to that end bit and you're, you're kind of, you know, closing out the demonstration and you've agreed the next steps, then if you've got uh, things that you think, you know, the signals that you're getting that they're not really interested, that they're going through the motions, you're never going to hear from them again, then I always say that. And I say, look, I'm, I may be misreading the situation here, but I am picking up a few clues that you're thinking that this actually isn't for you. And I think it's best if you tell me now, because what I don't want to do is I don't want to send you a proposal and agree a phone call and then you're not around and I keep chasing you and you keep avoiding me. So we're, we're basically both wasting a lot of time we could do with without wasting. So if, you, if this isn't for you, then it'd be great to know now. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, yeah, but that gives them an excuse for saying no. But well, well if they're going to say no, let's get it out there. There's no point in trying to say get them to say no via your fifth email to them or your fourth message on their voicemail that you know and you think actually I've never heard from them again because you know how does that, that happens a lot doesn't it we send out proposals and then we say wow I sent out a proposal they were really keen I mean god if I if I had you know some money every time someone has said to me over the years oh Trevor they were really keen I sent the proposal I've never heard from them again and that's because you've misjudged the situation. And, you know, they're keen because they, you know, they're, they're feeling as though you you put the time and effort into your demo. And, you know, and we've all done that. You know, how many times have we been enthusiastic about somebody's idea knowing it's not for us? 
but we just want to help them and make them feel good. And that's great, but it can send us down a false trail. So that's why we need to clarify it. We need to ask those searching questions, if you like, and really understand at the end of our demo exactly where we are and exactly where the customer is as well. So when you finish, you need to go back to the beginning. And therefore, before you deliver the demo, the pitch or the presentation, you know, think about, you know, what do you want to achieve? What do you want the outcome to be? Ask yourself those questions right at, you know, before you deliver the demo and then check with them at the end and see whether you fulfilled them or not. And also think about the things that, you know, when you've done the demo, just reflect on it for 10 or 15 minutes after the call is finished and think, right, OK, if I if I could do this again, what would I have considered doing differently now that I've done the demo and now that I've heard? Because, you know, every time you do a demo, every time you do a presentation, every time you do a sales pitch, you want to make it a little bit better, don't you? You want, uh, sorry, you want the next one to be a little bit better. Because if we just stick to it and say, right, that's the best we're going to do. Well, you know, people are going to overtake us and all that. So every single time you need to learn from what you've just delivered and then you can do it a little bit better next time. Right. So there we go. That's the end of today's show, ladies and gentlemen. So just to summarize, if you are going to do a demo or a presentation or a sales pitch, then, you know, make sure that you keep your, your A, you're well prepared, that you got some you know, outcomes that you want to achieve. But most importantly, when you're doing it, make sure you keep your audience involved and you know, be prepared to be flexible and pivot if necessary. If you're too rigid or you don't involve them, then it's going to be pretty dull for them to be on the receiving end of your demo. And you're building that rapport at the same time and asking those questions and really getting them to give you those mini commitments and all that sort of stuff as well. And don't forget, establish the buying process apart from yourself. Who else? You know, it's a really big question to ask. Right. So there we go. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it. If you're new to the podcast, then please do subscribe through the yeah, podcast app or whatever you're listening to. That would be fantastic. And if you want to leave a review, that would be amazing. Now, I've still got um, I mentioned this, I keep forget. well, I keep forgetting to mention it on the podcast, but uh, I have a book called 12 Business Lessons from Running an Ultra Marathon, and I've got a few of the early copies. Now, the early copies are the ones where there's still the odd comma in the wrong place, or there's still a capital letter that shouldn't be, and things like that. So before the final, final, you know, second reading of it. So the content is exactly the same as the latest version you can buy on Amazon. But if you would like me to send you a copy of that, then all you've got of the, of the first draft of the book, you, you know, then send me your name and address. But more importantly, leave a re- what you have to do, what you have to do is leave a review. <laughs> Let's get this right. So you have to leave a review, screenshot the review, email that to podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk and include the name and address where you'd like me to send you the book. Right. And I'll inscribe it to you and say, thanks for being a listener. And if you want to send me any more information and, you know, about the show or what you get from the show, that would be great. Right. That's it for this week. So thanks very much. And, you know, record downloads in May. So I really appreciate that. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for reviewing. And I'll see you next time. Bye.